Mom life can be chaotic, crazy, and overwhelming as you give and care for everyone else but you. Well, it's time to take back you and turn up the spice in your life. Welcome to Spicy Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Johnson, CEO and founder of Spicy Mom Life. As a single mom of two myself, I'm here to teach you how to step out of the box that society has put you in so that you can start living a truly fulfilled, authentic, empowered life beyond just motherhood. We talk all things motherhood, sex, life, relationships, and more. And I do mean more. This is not your everyday vanilla mom jets. Expect things to get spicy AF. So let's get to it. Welcome back to Spicy Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Johnson. With us today, we have Carrie, hopefully I pronounced that right, <laughs> Cowell, um, the anti-soulmate love coach. I'm super excited. I love that title just in general. Um, so welcome. If you could tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Hi, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so yes, my name is Carrie Lou Cowell. Uh, I don't use any pronouns, so just please call me Carrie. And uh, I work as the anti-soulmate love coach. And I chose that title because what I profoundly care about is everybody's liberation, specifically when it comes to love and romance and dating and any sort of intimate relationship. And there are so many stories in our society and culture today that say that are really like based in lack, quite honestly. And they're like, you only have one person that you're meant for. And, you know, um, there's, there's just so much you know the fairy tale romance I just finished watching um the I think it was like 1997 like Brandy Cinderella which I love 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 but we get inundated with these stories especially as like women or people who have been socialized as female around what love should look like and that there's only one person and that it's supposed to be this fairy tale and it really fucks up our relationships so like that's why I titled myself the anti-soulmate love coach because that's not what love looks like at all. Like in the, in the real world. Right. Like I love these stories. I'm a hopeless romantic. Like they're so fun and imaginatory, but that's really like where they need to stay. And that doesn't mean there can't be magic in your relationships, but the magic comes from you creating it. Not like this idea of like, Oh, I saw someone across the crowded room fell in love, you know? (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Everything you just said. Um, (laughs) I, I I have to laugh because I did, I've done a post in regards to Disney and just the way the story, like the fairy tale Disney stories that we grew up watching that have just, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, the problem is it's so subconscious Mm-hmm. that we don't even know how much it's affecting us in our relationships or the way that we like view like relationships or dating or marriage or any sort of you know intimate relationship like that mm-hmm. 
that's it's such a <laughs> such a big hot topic um I know non-monogamy is something that you talk about so I'm curious for somebody who is very anti non-monogamy what like what would you say to that kind of situation Mm. I think it depends on what the like where that anti-non-monogamy is coming from because Mm -hmm. in our in our culture in our society like monogamy is the norm in uh you know, if you're in the non-monogamous world, we call it compulsory monogamy because it's just the thing that we're told is normal. So we don't have a lot of models around what anything other than monogamy might look like. Mm -hmm. And it's people who are or choose to be non-monogamous and or are interested in in exploring that relationship style or like those of us who are non I'm non-monogamous so those of us who are non-monogamous who are educating about it or speaking out against compulsory monogamy are not saying that monogamy is bad because that's not the case like non-monogamy is not for everybody and that's okay but what I want for my clients and people in general in the world, and I think what a lot of other non-monogamous educators want for people is for monogamy to be a choice. Mm -hmm. Because when you grow up in a world that says this is the only way you can be romantically and sexually like in relationship with people, it's no longer a choice. It's, oh, this is the only thing I can do if I want to be romantic or sexual with somebody. And then what happens if you don't fit into that box? Then there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of like, you know, inner, like negative inner monologue. And it can really, like just the fact that monogamy is compulsory in our society can do a lot of damage to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, um, as somebody who has discovered that non-monogamy is definitely better for me, it, it's it's a tough place when you have friends and family who don't get it. Right, yes. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yes. Um, is there something specific that you want me to touch on in terms of that, like, getting someone to understand why you might choose non-monogamy or how to handle like that, I guess, like emotional fallout that you might get from people who don't understand. Um, is the first thing that comes to mind is for those that are not familiar with it, when they hear somebody who is in any sort of non-monogamous situation, their first reaction first kind of response is well that's cheating Mm. Mm -hmm. how do you yes so like it's not but (laughs) right and 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 the whole thing about non-monogamy is that all parties are consenting 
to multiple relationships or multiple sexual partners or whatever because non-monogamy is an umbrella and there's so many Mm -hmm. um different terms and other relationship styles that fall under this non-monogamous umbrella that the uh way that this could look for somebody like me versus you versus like you know somebody else out there who's also non-monogamous we could all be non-monogamous and all of our relationships could look different right Mm -hmm. like the way that we that way that we navigate them so like it's such a huge umbrella and but the one tenet around non-monogamy is having that consent and making sure that everything is honest and authentic and communicated like communication is such a huge piece in non-monogamy now I I do want to speak a little bit to um, a lot of times you'll hear like ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy which in at least in the states right in the United States which is where I am and I think you are as well Mm -hmm. yeah Um, I think it's good to use that ethical piece because we do have so much like cheating is honestly like in at least in the states cheating is usually seen as like more okay quote unquote than like being non-monogamous which is a little weird to me Uh, (laughs) but yeah but um but also I choose to use just non-monogamy because there's so many cultures out there that have existed before you know the United States was colonized that were Mm non-monogamous and I don't I don't know like how they how those other cultures have like comported their non-monogamy or like done done the non-monogamy right um but it is on some level like colonial if you will to say like oh well I'm practicing ethical non-monogamy because it's saying that like other you know these other cultures these other people who have been non-monogamous and usually like black and brown people like BIPOC people mm-hmm. um are doing it wrong right which is not right. the case like non-monogamy has been around since the beginning of time right um we've just been shoved into this box because of religion and colonization and like Eurocentrism so Mm -hmm. again like depending on the circles that you run in or the circles that I run in I will like kind of code switch um and use ethical non-monogamy but really like non-monogamy in the modern western day world is all about like communication and um, honesty and making sure that everybody's consenting to whatever it is that you decide you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I love that you brought up the fact that it's been around for so long. Cause like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that like people are aware of like other cultures and how they do things, but they don't, those, those connections don't get made of like, Oh, that is also non-monogamy and that's been around for way longer and that's that's okay but in the states it's not okay (laughs) right right um oh there was just a question I had um so one one topic um that I know kind of comes up because we again it comes back to I think this 
fantasy world of you meet one person and that person is going to be everything that you need for the rest of your life. When that is, from my perspective, such a big ask of one person. Yeah. Whereas in the world of monogamy, you can find somebody who, you can find multiple people who then together they make up that person. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I've actually been like kind of pinging this around in my head too because um, recently, I forget exactly what it was, but I am uh, I have coming up in 2023, a queer non-monogamous mastermind coming up with a colleague of mine. And one of the topics is going to be like, people are not need meeting machines because even mm. that it's like, you know, even looking at non-monogamy that way of like, you know, we've been taught or people in general, whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous, like we've been taught like, oh, we need to find a partner to meet our needs or we need to find a partner. So somebody, you know, is there to take care of us when we need to take, be taken care of, or like, we need to have children because then we'll have somebody to take care of us when we're older or whatever. (laughs) And the thing is like monogamy or non-monogamy, like really like, yes there's a care piece there because we are communal creatures and also like well where are you meet where are you able to meet your needs for yourself right it's Mm -hmm. this interdependence piece where we take care of ourselves and we hold on to our identity whatever that is right like that core while also still being able to take care of other people and allowing other people to take care of us so like um it's kind of challenging for me to put into words, but you know, it's just like this fluid symbiosis that I think we've stepped away from because we are taught like, well, we need to find somebody who meets our needs. And if we can't find one person to meet our needs, which is, it's so much pressure. It is so much pressure to put on (laughs) one person. It's so much pressure to even put on yourself, right? Which is why we are communal creatures. Um, But also like, yes, you can get your needs met via other people through non-monogamy, which I think is beautiful. And also I feel like it can, it can go in like kind of this like codependent or like toxic manner, right? You're just expanding Mm, it out to other people. Right. So it's like, where do you find that balance where you are still like, I guess, I'm trying to find the words, right? Like where you're still you and taking care of you and what you need to stay true to your values and your core identity while also being like, hey, you know what? Like, well, like for example, so right now my foot, um, I'm healing a broken foot. My fractured my metatarsal and it's a lot. And, you know, it is, I do have to rely on people a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And and right now, because of um, somewhat because of COVID, although that's less of an issue, but also because of like living in Los Angeles, which is where I live, it's a big city, everybody's yeah. scattered all over. Um, and just, you know, everybody being so busy. And that also is because of COVID, right? Because we're all kind of trying to like resituate our lives and figure yeah, out yeah, what yeah. <laughs> normal is. Um, it's like it, the responsibility of care falls on my partner that I live, live with right now. And it's a lot of pressure. But like, 
you know, I try to do as much as I can by myself. And then it's also like, well, how do we call in this community? And this is why, you know, like if you go all the way back, right to the beginning of time, we lived in communities because then it's not, oh, my live-in partner is the only one who's taking care of me and only taking care of the house, you know, then you Mm -hmm. have, and you do see this in like other um, non-American cultures, right? Like where, you know, it is more generational or like families live together, things like that, where, you know, like grandma can come in and clean the house while live-in partners at work. And Mm -hmm. like, yes, yes, that, and that is really like also the beauty of non-monogamy is that you have this culture of community that is not just reliant on, oh, well, this is my partner, my life partner. This is my partner that I live with. This is my spouse. They're responsible for everything. If something goes down, mm-hmm. it everything falls on them, you know? Um, and so like, yes, when we're talking about needs in that way, like, yes, obviously, like, yes, like, having even just having that idea outside of again even if you're monogamous having that idea outside of oh there's only one person who can take care of me is so helpful not just like for your marriage or your partnership but also like it I feel like it just provides such a a much richer texture to life right because Mm -hmm. then it's not just, oh, we can't go anywhere because we have to take care of our kids or dogs or whatever, you know, whatever thing you take care of, like, right, right whatever creature you take care of. Um, it is, hey, you know what, let me call up my best friend, Susie, or let me call up, you know, my uh, other boyfriend, Mark, or whatever. Hey, can you watch the kids tonight, you know, so mm-hmm. we can go out and have a long time together. And that's so important just in any relationship, again, monogamous or non-monogamous to have that space where you can just be human and not be (laughs) caring, right? For something or someone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, No, I love that you said that. Um, And yeah, it's great that you brought up because one thing that I I talk about in um, a lot of what I do, because it's focused with moms, and moms become that sole caretaker of everybody mm-hmm. and like don't like they lose that identity outside of being a mom yes and it's that similar thing you you can't put all of that responsibility all of that care on one person regardless of who it is right exactly I mean, honestly, even putting it on two people is a lot in, in mm-hmm. 2022 when we yeah. all have to work jobs, like, and you, most of us are working like over 40 hours a week, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the other piece as far as the kind of the opposite spectrum of um, of like using it as a way to kind of fulfill yourself. Like, I love that you talk mm-hmm. about that because that's um, while like that's something that, you know, makes sense. I hadn't really ever like fully thought of that either because um, we have a lot of us have this struggle with that self-identity because there's so much around us. There's so much comparison. There's so much 
everything else. So you just want to have everybody else feel that instead of that other, because that's so vulnerable to like. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. As a recovering codependent person. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's incredibly vulnerable. And especially so like I'm the fixer part of codependency. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, well, what do I like, what do I do or who am I if I don't have somebody to fix or somebody to help? Right. Like, mm-hmm. and it, it is very vulnerable and very scary. And I feel like, again, whether you're non-monogamous or not, like taking this idea of like, you are a core human, like uh, you have your own core identity and your desires and, um, you know, your needs when you really sit with yourself and allow yourself to be like honest with you more than, I mean, also honest with other people, but more than anything, honest with yourself about what that is and what that looks like mm-hmm. it. And then do that inner work to like be able to express that to other people. It really does create this like richer texture to life. And it, what I found is that it really takes away the emotional labor and emotional drama that the way that our, um, you know, the way that we look at romantic relationships as a society gives us. So like for me, I became non-monogamous like very, very early on. I was 17, 18 when I, you know, kind of found out about non-monogamy and I was like, oh, this makes sense because I love so many people mm-hmm. and, and I was like, you know, super horny teen when I was 17. So right, I had to sleep right. with a lot of people too. <laughs> right. But it's, it's just like, you know, I wanted to be in relationship with this person, but then somebody would come along and we'd also have a really great connection. And I also wanted to like, you know, maybe not always have a relationship with them, but I wanted to like fuck around with them or I wanted to have an, a like romantic and sexual relationship with them. And then it was like, well, who do I choose? And that's Mm -hmm. so much drama and so much inner turmoil that Mm -hmm. like when you don't have to make that choice, you don't have that turmoil. Like life and relationships will give you enough turmoil on their own. Like you don't have to, like taking away the turmoil of like, well, I like Bob, but I also like Greg. Who do I choose? Like, it's just so much more relaxing and uh, I you know it it gives you the freedom to say oh I don't have to choose I can be with both Mm -hmm. as long as they're okay with it and then you know like I mean (laughs) being in a relationship with one person brings up enough you know drama and like challenge so like it's not like you're lacking for challenge even if you like have two people or more people that you are seeing because everybody's different and like that like struggle challenge is just a part of life so you don't need to make extra struggle for yourself no no there's yeah like you said there's there's plenty of that in life (laughs) you don't need to add more (laughs) it's a uh, I love that you mentioned freedom because it's it's freedom and it's it's getting outside of the box that you talked about that society Mm -hmm. puts us in that we we don't need to be in like yes there's no reason there's no reason and I say you know if we 
if you want to love more than one person, like how is that not? And so actually this is, and I had mentioned it before, but like we live in a, a culture of where love is lack, right? Like mm-hmm. you can only love one person. There's something wrong with you. If you love more than one person, you're supposed to have your one and only. And right. Like if you are married or partnered or whatever, um, and you have feelings for someone else you need to like shut those down right like you can't mm-hmm. love anybody else once you found your person whoever that is and that just seems so restrictive and really like if you think about love and love is abundant there's there's no like we're taught that we only have a finite amount of love to give. And that's not true. Love mm-hmm. is, I mean, Shakespeare even said, you know, like from Romeo and Juliet, my uh, my bounty is as boundless as the sea. My love is deep. Like love has no bounds. It really mm-hmm. doesn't. And I don't remember what I was going to say. So I'm just going to stop there. <laughs> what, um, it, it brought up a thought as you were saying that, because while it's an interesting I think thought so we have family and friends who we are taught we can love Mm -hmm. and you can have huge families and you're supposed to love your family Mm -hmm. but having multiple relationships and loving them that's not okay Mm -hmm. but like it that not okay it doesn't sit well like it's in the love for family and friends it's proof right there of the abundance of love so why Mm -hmm. not have that in a romantic relationship exactly but even looking at that right because this is also something I've been thinking about a lot lately like even looking at like having that love and how it's like okay or like proper to like love your family and friends like even that is hierarchical right especially with like the advent of the nuclear family in like the 40s and 50s and whatever it's like well who's most important who do you love the Mm -hmm. most right it's Mm -hmm. your spouse and then your kids or like those two usually like kind of flip-flop depending on like the situations right like your spouse and your kids are the most important people that you can love in your life and then your family like outside of your household right and Mm -hmm. then your friends but it's like you know and then you know maybe if that there's that that's it right like there's no there's nobody else right yeah yeah so so even in that structure of like well it's okay to love your family and friends there's still this idea of hierarchy because the most important people should be the people that you are like living with and see on a daily basis and and taking that out of you know especially like just taking that out of the cultural zeitgeist in general but also when you look at it through like a non-monogamous lens so like for example, like I'm a relationship anarchist, which says um, it essentially takes like political anarchy and apply, applies those um, that structure to relationships. But it basically is saying that relationships are co-created with whoever you're in relationship with, and they don't they do not necessarily prescribe to or subscribe to like the societally induced definitions of like what it means to be like a friend or a lover or a spouse or whatever right Mm -hmm. um and 
usually um, there is like a dismantling of hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. So taking that and applying that to, again, even if you're monogamous, taking that and applying that to your life and your relationships, it's like, well, why is my spouse more important than like my friend? Or why is it that like, you know, it's so normal, quote unquote, for like when people get partnered up for them to just disappear because all of a sudden they have a family and kids. And I mean, like, obviously, like the things that are finite are like time and energy. So like, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes that is why. Um, But I also feel like a lot of that really is because we've been taught like, well, once you get married and have kids, like that's it. Those are the most important people in your life. Mm -hmm. But like, Mm -hmm my relationship with my closest friend or really any of my friends is no more or less important than my relationship with my live-in partner or any of the other I don't have any other partners right now um but like thank you COVID right (laughs) um but but like or any of my other partners that I've had like this relationship that I have with my live-in partner is no more or less important than the relationship I have with any other partners or friends or you know, whatever in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's a great, great point. Cause we, we do get taught that, yeah, your spouse or your kids, they come first. And if you, you know, put your friend over your, your partner or whatever, like you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, Even putting yourself right over your friend or oh, over your spouse and yeah. your, your kids, you're a bad oh, person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very anti that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we ourselves should be first. Yes. Um, I, I, I did um, uh, a video a while back, but I had put that you need to put yourself before your kids and oh, the things that people said from that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah. I'm not saying neglect your kids, but no. you know. <laughs> But you still get to be a human and, you know, a person and you still get to do things that you enjoy. It's not like your life ends when you have kids. No, no, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know something you mentioned earlier and you've you've kind of hinted at different things as we've been talking, Um, but you mentioned, you know, as far as educating on non-monogamy, on the benefits of that for those who are monogamous are there other things that maybe you haven't talked about already that that um that that relates to as far as things that those are who are monogamous could benefit from yes yes um all of it everything um (laughs) so broad um I know well so first first of all like um you know one of the things I talked about was having that larger community and that uh, dismantling of hierarchy in your relationships, right? Because yes, it takes the pressure off of your partnership um, or even your kids, right? Like if you came from a household where that told you to have kids because uh, so you'd have someone to take care of you when you're older, right? That mm-hmm. was my mom, right? Like my mom uh, and my grandma, my mom's mom lived with us as well. And that was the message throughout was like, you need to take care of your mom when you're older. I'm like, what if I don't want to, like, you know? <laughs> Right. And why are you putting this pressure on me now? Right. Um, 
you know, and so having, and again, like even at, even as we age, even as our friends age, having that larger community means we have more people to take care of us when we need the care, right? So that mm-hmm. definitely dismantling that hierarchy, dismantling that nuclear family or that idea of the nuclear family, I think mm-hmm. is so beneficial to all of us, again, whether you're monogamous or non-monogamous and having those people in your life that you can trust and rely on and have the intimate relationships where if something happens or even if something doesn't happen and you just want to go out and be an adult, Mm -hmm. have someone to call, not just someone, but multiple someones to be like, Hey, can you care for, you know, my kid? Because I just need to get out. I need a break, you know? And I I Mm -hmm. think it's like super normal that like moms, especially like need breaks because there's so much pressure Mm -hmm. put on moms to be you know, superhuman, that it's a lot, it's a Mm -hmm. lot of pressure and it's a lot of expectations for like one human being. So like having that extra community means you don't have to put that pressure on yourself and means you are not uh, creating that pressure simply by like only having, you know, like mom, uh, you know, two adults or whatever that structure looks looks like in your household, Mm -hmm. be the only people who are taking care of the children. Um, I also feel like the, I guess like ground rules, the word that's coming to my head, but like the ground rules of like open and honest communication and making sure that everybody is on board with what is happening in the relationship and or in the household, if you live with your partner, Mm -hmm. um, is so important because again like that is one of the like key components to non-monogamy is just making sure that like your desires are expressed your partners multiple or not our ex- desires are expressed and that you can find like boundaries and agreements around those things so like um, I want to make a distinction here like boundaries are things that you hold for yourself um, and agreements are things that you uh, agree to with, you know, another person or like, you know, however many people are involved in this agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so many things in monogamy that we've been taught are, you know, you just do, right? Like the mm-hmm. woman or more femme partner is the one who takes care of the social activities and takes care of the kids and like keeps the calendar gets the groceries and like the Mm -hmm. man or the you know more more masked person in the relationship is the one who like brings home the bacon and like fixes the cars (laughs) and mows the lawn I mean that's very very you know like old school classic gender roles but like but we still Mm -hmm. have them they might look a little different today in 2022 but they're still there very much in like very subtle ways so Mm -hmm. being able to sit down and be fully honest and authentic around like what it is you need what it is you desire and like having that like active listening piece so you both or you know you both or all of you if you're not monogamous can like have these conversations that are very honest Mm-hmm. and open, I think is so helpful. Again, whether you're non-monogamous or not, because I think there are so many things that we put on ourselves or like these gender roles are so easy to fall into that we don't even think about it. And we just are in our heads feeling really resentful. Mm-hmm. I love that. The, um, especially the gender roles, like that's 
yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's hot topic still because I mean it's 2022 but like right you're still yeah. where we are <laughs> yeah and it's like well okay um what does emotional labor look and feel like and how can you know the other partner pick up more of that emotional labor what does that really mean and how does that mm -hmm. you know like what does that look like if you so again relationship anarchy is what i follow and it really um oh i forget who made this but there's this relationship anarchy smorgasbord and it really like breaks down all of the different types of relationships that we have uh in the in the world right in our lives and it breaks it down into like kink and sex which are two different things mm -hmm. finances right like is my partner also a business partner money kids or caretaking of you know outside creatures right like if you have pets or whatever mm -hmm. um do you live together? Do you want to live together? Like cohabitation, what does that look like? So it's really like a roommate situation. And especially in like monogamous relationships, we carry all of these different types of relationships in that one monogamous relationship. And I think it's so helpful, again, even if you're monogamous to break that down because then it's like, oh, I have been playing accountant, right? Like for mm -hmm. the, for my, in my relationship. And I don't really want to be the accountant for my relationship or like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, you know what? We're horrible roommates and I still love you. So what does that look like? How can we be either, I mean, like, right. So there's a couple ways that you can do it because the monogamous structure says like, well, if you're monogamous, you live together. But what if you don't? Mm -hmm. What if you stay together and you live separately? Because Hey, guess what? Like if you're horrible roommates, you're just horrible roommates. And how much better would it be for your mental health and well-being, for your relationship, for the sex that you have in your relationship, if you don't have to worry about trying to fit yourself in with another person who essentially is a horrible roommate? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's how I feel, like just looking at these different aspects of relationship. And having that open and honest, like really open and honest communication, which can be very, very scary, right? Especially yes. because it is outside the box. But having that open and honest communication, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And really like what that does too, is it creates more intimacy in your relationship. And then it allows you to like step outside of that box of monogamy that we've been taught and really create like a bespoke relationship that I mean at the end of the day I think especially if you're monogamous because like you know we've been told monogamy is one specific thing at the end of the day it's going to make your relationship so much better because mm -hmm. you don't have to deal with somebody's dirty socks on the floor or whatever you know right <laughs> uh yeah my my most recent um like uh relationship who's my main partner for almost nine years, but we never lived together. And it made me realize, cause I was married for six years previously in a monogamous relationship and realizing that like, I do better when I have my own space. I, <laughs> I'm not the type of person that wants to live with another person right now. Yes. I'm like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I can yeah. still be in a long-term relationship or multiple relationships 
in my own space. Right. And it, and you can still be committed and not mm-hmm. move in together. Like my partner, my live-in partner and I are kind of going through that right now because horrible roommates love each other a lot, but like it causes so much stress on our relationship mm-hmm. that like it's, we, we've, we came to this realization, right? Like during COVID, oh, okay. So we got to figure this out, right? Like, what does this look like? Um, because things were fantastic before we moved in together mm-hmm. and then we move in together and we're like oh this is really shitty now what and it wasn't like <laughs> us right it was us living together that was the problem right but I, I feel like so often because like living together is like the like that next step mm-hmm. <laughs> relationship yep. that if if that doesn't work, then that means the relationship can't work. Right. Exactly. That's, and that's it. not the case. No, no, no. Just certain people are not meant to live together. Right. Exactly. And that doesn't mean you aren't meant to be romantic together. It can be, they're two separate things. Mm-hmm, 100%. But we're not, we're not brought up to believe that because it's, you find right. a one partner, you fall in love, you, you know, get married, move in together, have kids. Like that's, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. and there's so much compromise in monogamy Mm -hmm. in the in the way that we've been taught monogamy like quote unquote like should be right yeah so much compromise and I personally don't believe in compromise I believe that like you know there are things that we need to agree on sometimes right and Mm -hmm. figure out what that looks like and also I shouldn't have to lose part of myself or part of my desires for us to be together or for our relationship to be like quote unquote successful right I, I love that you say that because I'm no longer a fan of compromise either because that's something that we're taught you compromise that's that's mm-hmm. just the way of relationships mm-hmm. but and ref- like changing it to agreeing on things sure but to compromise because that comes down to compromising your values and your core yes. and your identity and like then you're losing yourself yes. in a relationship yep and that's usually because of the patriarchal society that we live in it usually falls that compromise falls on the woman or like person who was socialized as female mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has been so so good. Okay, I feel like we could probably yeah. talk for hours on this. Yeah, good stuff. Um, but for the sake of time, um, I would love to hear just kind of like what sorts of things you offer in your coaching, so that our listeners, because um, I'll share all your information, so people can come follow you and learn more. Because so much good stuff. Yes. So right now I'm offering one-on-one coaching actually um, because it's the fall season, we're heading into the fall equinox and uh, I really love fall. Um, I'm Virgo. So like this is my mm-hmm. season. Yes. Um, I Normally my one-on-one packages are six months long, but I really want to help set people up for the winter time for cuffing season. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm offering shorter term three-month one-on-one packages right now. And I'm super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a workshop also that's coming up in October. That's be your own damn soulmate. And it really is going to be mm-hmm. looking at like 
decoupling and deconditioning from this codependent narrative that we've all been brought up in. And then, like I mentioned earlier, in 2023, I will be opening up a queer non-monogamous mastermind uh, for people who want to dive more into their queer non-monogamy. Love it. I, I love, what was the name of your, that, that workshop in October you just said? Oh, Be Your Own Damn Soulmate. Yeah, sorry. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with that. I love that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I always like to ask at the end, like if there's like kind of one bit of like advice or something that, you know, if they take away nothing else, what would you say to them? Like, if there's only one thing that they really, really like hear from you today. Mm. Examine your life. Because of all of the stories that were told and the things that were told are normal, it's so easy to just fall into that, right? And just go with that flow and go with the status quo. And I feel like there are so many people who don't fit into that box that we've been told we are supposed to fit into. And if you don't look at where you are or what is happening in your life, you'll never break out of that box. It's like, I used to have this friend who cheated on his wife, like a lot. Um, and I was the person that he would talk to about it, which is why we're no longer <laughs> friends. Cause I'm like, you can't talk to me about this. if You're not going to do something about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't condone cheating at all. And I'm like, there are so many other options that you could take that like non-monogamy or whatever, you know, whatever you want, but that could be more honest and ethical or like the people who are like, and usually it's men that say this, but who are like, oh, I guess I need to get married because we've been together for X amount of years or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you really examine your desires and you really examine like, why are you doing these things? If they're not what you actually want to do, that's when you can start to break out of this box. Well, why are you deciding to get engaged because you've been together for five years and you guess it's time? Like, that's the weirdest thing. Do you actually want to get engaged? (laughs) If you don't, why are you doing it? Right? Well, why are you cheating on your wife so much? Like, are you actually happy in your marriage? Okay, cool. Do you also like to have sex with strangers? also okay but then how do you make that you know something that is honest and ethical in your relationship with your wife right like really Mm -hmm. looking and asking why I love love that and I know just from what I share and who I know my listeners are I know they needed to hear that because with most of them being moms most of them do things because that's what they've been taught they're supposed to do versus what they really want to do yeah thank you that that question pretend like if you're a mom and you have like a five-year-old or you've had a five-year-old just be your five-year-old ask yourself why as many times as it takes until you get to the answer (laughs) yes yes be be that toddler who just asks why 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 yeah yeah I love that. Thank you so much, Gary. You're welcome. Um, It's been a pleasure having you on here. Thank you. It's been such a joy. I love connecting with you. (laughs) Thank you so much. And again, um, I'll have all of your, your information in the show notes so people can follow you and obsess over you just as much. (laughs) 
If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. It not only helps me know you're enjoying the show, but it helps more listeners like you find the show. Wishing you all the pleasures. Until next time.